0: This is Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi, sponsored by St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center, Covaris, Ranchford Eye Center, and the Connecticut State Medical Society. Healthy Rounds provides general information regarding medical conditions and diseases. The information is not intended to create a doctor-patient relationship. You are encouraged to consult your own medical provider for advice that applies to your own medical care. And now, Dr. Anthony Alessi on WTIC, News Talk 1080, and WTIC.com. Welcome to Healthy Rounds, the show that provides you with up-to-date medical information, and we answer all of your health questions. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it's great to be back with a live program today. Um, I have been on the road a little bit the last two weeks. Um, I was at the University of Michigan, uh, visiting family and attending a Michigan football game, and uh, last week I had the pleasure of working with the Professional Bull Riders Tour, and I was in Atlantic City uh, with that group. Uh, interesting thing. Atlantic City uh, has become an interesting place. You know, it's it's changed so much uh, with the advent of other casinos opening, namely the Connecticut casinos, Mohegan Sun most notably. And, and I guess you really get that feeling when – so when we got there, we got into the elevator of the hotel and a gentleman got in, a, a patron, very friendly. Hey, where are you folks from? He saw us having our suitcases, my wife and I. And said, uh, we said, well, we're from Connecticut. And he said – he just looked at us in astonishment and said, why aren't you at Mohegan Sun? Um, so with that, uh, it, it's a different type of experience, that's for sure, uh, in Atlantic City and uh, much preferred uh, to be here in Connecticut. And I think a lot of people feel that way about our casinos here. Um. Today I'm going to be out as soon as we're done with this. I'm going to head to New London. Uh, the Coast Guard Academy is at home uh, today. Their football team. If you get a chance to go to a Coast Guard Academy game or you know, kind of a Division Three or Division Two football, we spend a lot of time. You know, UConn is great, but it's a different level when you're at Division Three, Division Two. Uh, it's a it's a different kind of game. It's it's a much uh, I don't know if it's friendlier. It's just a different approach to football. And I like it a lot. I like being on that sideline, uh, not a lot of commercial timeouts uh, to deal with. So uh, it really is uh, an interesting uh, location, and interesting place to be. So if you get down there, especially the Coast Guard uh, being a service academy. Um, Today, my guest who's going to be with us uh, later in the show is Dr. Robert Krug. Dr. Krug is the president and medical director of Mount Sinai Rehabilitation, all part of Trinity Health. And we're going to chat with him about rehabilitation medicine and physiatry. You know, because rehabilitation, let's think about it. It's such an important part of what we do in treating patients. Um, So... We want to talk with him and find out about some of the new innovations, a lot of new things going on over at St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center and uh, their work at the Mount Sinai Center. This date in medicine, September 22nd, 1511. Now we're going way back. Mark Antonio Della La Torre. Um, Dr. De La Torre was a, a Renaissance professor of anatomy at the University of Pavia and Padua. And he actually died at a young age of the plague. But he's most famous because of somebody he hired. Now, we all hear these things, you know, go to Indeed.com and, I don't know, Hireme.com. There's all these Internet things. So he became famous because he went out and hired Leonardo da Vinci to be his illustrator for an anatomy text. So Dr. Torre was famous for being able to describe the anatomy, do autopsies, but he needed somebody to really illustrate what he was doing. So he picked up Leonardo da Vinci. Um, So needless to say, you can make a great hire and you will be remembered for centuries afterward. One of the things in medicine I wanted to talk about, it was an article I read uh, about earwax, cerumen, interesting thing. I mean, cerumen has become a real problem as we get older. So as we get older, we accumulate more earwax. Um, it's a problem in about only about 10% of children where they have excess cerumen, maybe 20% of adults, 30% of the elderly. But in a recent study, they found two thirds of people who live in nursing homes, extended care facilities, have problem with ear cerumen. Now, the wax is there because it traps dirt and dust and debris from getting into your ear, into the vital mechanism of the ear. But when it accumulates too much, you start getting hearing loss, ringing in your ears, and some people get vertigo, loss of balance, and they fall. So maintaining and relieving this cerumen becomes very important. Often you'll see an ear, nose, and throat physician who can easily flush it out. Uh, Easy ways of doing it are with warm water in the shower. Just let the water flow into the ear, some warm water to soften the wax so it could flow out. But one of the things in this article were that because of the hearing loss that elderly people have in nursing homes, it's assumed that they've become demented and have developed a behavioral problem as opposed to just cleaning out their ears. So again, as we get older, it's important to really maintain that and be mindful of loosening that cerumen, seeing a physician when necessary to relieve an impaction. An interesting article in the New England Journal of Medicine this week talked about the type 2 poliovirus and vaccine. Now, for the regular listeners of this show, you know that I am a big advocate for vaccination. Vaccination because I believe that it is the number one thing that we have accomplished in medicine to this day has been vaccination to avoid deadly diseases. In the case of polio, it's been interesting to follow. The Sabin vaccine is the oral polio vaccine that's been ongoing since the 50s. The vaccine approaches three different types of polio, We've started to really track polio and the fact that we've essentially wiped it out from the planet, and that was in about the year 2000. We have great data, thanks to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, that really follows polio and other diseases and vaccination. So here's the interesting thing. By vaccinating and wiping it out, you have to be careful that Much like a bacteria, the virus is smart enough to adapt to the vaccine and produce a new strain. So there comes a point where you're going to have to stop vaccinating. So what they did in 2016 is they took the vaccine that fought against three viruses and cut it back to only two and watched to see if there was reemergence of that virus. And the case has been that it has not re-emerged. And in fact, there have only been rare instances where the virus has adapted to the existing vaccine. So the question now becomes, how do we approach this? How do we avoid a new polio from emerging? And there is an argument now that in high areas where we see a lot of polio, usually underdeveloped countries, with poor sanitation, that we start withdrawing the vaccine and not using the vaccine in order to restrict an emergence of new things. So I want people to understand it's not that everybody's going to get the same vaccine. This is a dynamic area. Immunization is a dynamic area in global health to keep everybody in the world healthy. It's not an American thing. It's not A national thing. It is a global thing. And we have to start thinking globally when we practice medicine now. And thanks to Bill and Melinda Gates and their foundation, we have surveillance worldwide to watch these diseases as they emerge and be able to stay ahead with immunization. So very interesting thing to watch. We're going to follow that. uh, And we're going to be hearing more about that in the New England Journal and in other journals about How we're going to, because don't forget, it's not just this. I mean, we're talking about we have problems with pertussis, diphtheria, the other things we vaccinate for that we really have to monitor carefully. Next up, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to be back with my guest today, Dr. Robert Krug. Dr. Krug is the president and medical director of Mount Sinai Rehabilitation here in here, right here in Hartford and part of Trinity Health. The phone number's here. Let me give the phone numbers now. 860-522-9842 and 1-800-966-9842. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. Those are the sounds of Janet Jackson, who will be at the Mohegan Sun on September 30th. What a great show she always puts on, so if you have a chance... Get over to Mohegan Sun. Uh, Plenty to do there in terms of restaurants, shows, gaming, um, and enjoy your time there. Uh, And not in Atlantic City, I guess, uh, from uh, what I've been told. Uh, My guest is Dr. Robert Krug. Dr. Krug is the president and medical director of Mount Sinai Rehabilitation Hospital. This is a dedicated hospital here in Hartford that rehabilitates patients. Um, It is part of the Trinity Health System, for those of you not familiar with that. That is St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center, um, St. Mary's, as well as Mercy Hospital, and Johnson Memorial are all part of that. One of the other things Dr. Krug does is he works with veterans. uh, At Quinnipiac, they are putting together a rehabilitation program for uh, veterans uh, to work with them, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome him today. Bob, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, getting you here has been long overdue. Uh, let's let's start with talking about physiatry, physical medicine. Um, can you tell our our listeners really what it does?
1: Yeah, and, I, and to do that, I think I need to give a little historical uh, context to it. And you know, you mentioned polio in your opening remarks, and really the the specialty came about in the early nineteen twenties and thirties when we had an epidemic of polio in this country and no one really knew how to care for those patients. Uh, then World War I occurred and we were seeing survivors, but again, nobody knew what, what to do with them medically and they would usually die of immobility and, and complications. So a group of surgeons actually led by a Dr. Krusen, uh are the founders of the specialty. And it's, it, it, so it is a medical specialty. You have an MD degree. Um, you have to go to four years of medical school as well as do a four-year residency program. Many go on to do fellowships as well. And it's really focused on maximizing functional restoration and quality of life for patients after significant illnesses, diseases, chronic disease, back pain, and so forth.
0: So really, it, it got its start working with uh, people who had polio and other more chronic diseases rather than acute problems, and then it changed. I guess it changes after a war. Um, you start working with people with amputations and other uh, traumatic injuries.
1: Yeah, really, really any um, functional impairment or or you know disability. We we try to avoid disability, but some folks learn to live and adapt to their disability. Uh, but folks post surgically, um, oncology rehab is very big nowadays. Certainly degenerative diseases, uh, immunologic diseases like multiple sclerosis, anything that impacts one's ability to function, think, move uh, is something that we're involved in.
0: You know, since we're on the topic of polio, I'm going to – something I don't usually do is I'm going to take a question – Uh, Danny's on the line and who's been a regular listener of the program. He's in Glastonbury. Danny, you had a question about post-polio syndrome. Yeah, I I call all the time, anytime there's any breakthroughs with cerebral palsy or MS to see if anybody's got anything for post-polio. I have post-polio, I'm 72, and, you know, I've really, my abilities have diminished from loss of muscle and the onset of the post-polio. Do they have anything there at Mount Sinai that could help me? as far as any kind of therapy or treatment? Danny, we're going to get right to that. I'm going to hang up, and I'm going to have Dr. Krug answer that right away. Okay, thanks, Thanks, buddy. So, post-polio syndrome, something we saw more of uh, in the 80s, Um, and obviously uh, Danny's 72, so we're seeing fewer and fewer of those people who have had uh, what was called post-polio syndrome, believed to be a reinfection, which was not the case, as we've proven. But um, I know that when I did my fellowship at Michigan, you know, part of my experience was in the Department of Physical Medicine, and it was a big deal then. We had uh, a lot of folks. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about it today and how that evolved?
1: Yeah, sure. I, you know, when, during my training back in the early nineties, we certainly saw uh, saw it much more frequently, as you as you said uh, just now, than we do today. Now it's uh, more typically an immigrant who comes in from another country, because again, we don't, we're not seeing it as as often, um, and really. What happens is your 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 nerves are impacted and your muscles are impacted. and so over the course of decades, what will happen is um, your your reserve of motor function starts to uh, starts to fatigue, and we see people's functional abilities declining years after they had polio. Um, there is no treatment per se to re- reverse that course. What we do have now are better bracing options. Um, better uh, robotics and other types of interventions to rehabilitate and to try to get the brain, which has a lot of neuroplasticity, to have other areas of the brain take on functional uh, um, uh, abilities that were lost as a result of, of, of the polio. But there's no specific new, you know, groundbreaking treatment per se. But I, I think if you haven't been evaluated in, in a decade or so, it would be worth coming and getting evaluated by a physiatrist for that.
0: That's great. Uh, You know, you used the key word there, neuroplasticity, Bob. And I think that's what's changed what I do as a neurologist and what you do in physical medicine. Because let's face it, in stroke, it used to be believed whatever happened, happened. That was it. Um, And now we know that getting people in a program uh, early on can really help them rehabilitate and recover from stroke. Um, Can you talk a little bit about Specifically at Mount Sinai Hospital, what what happens? What what do people expect? For example, people come there in a variety of ways, right? Inpatients are transferred from another hospital. Some is outpatient. Um, just in, in a few minutes, just kind of talk about what how people get to you.
1: Sure. So first of all, we don't have they don't come in through an emergency department. Folks choose to come to us, um, and we take that um, that privilege very seriously that they've chosen. You know to to Put their care in our hands. Um, when they come to us, it's, it's a team approach. So they're coming, you typically with something like a stroke, they're coming from an acute care hospital like St. Francis Hospital. And before they even come to us, they're evaluated by a physiatrist and an admission nurse. And a comprehensive plan is put in, is, is already developed before they've even arrived. And they will receive physical, occupational, and if necessary, speech language pathology, speech therapy, They will get at least three hours a day of therapy. They will have rehabilitation-certified nurses taking care of them, and they will be seen by a physical medicine rehabilitation specialist almost on a daily basis as well as a hospitalist, which is an internist. So they have a comprehensive program package that's put together for them, and it's really a team sport. Um, and we're not functioning in a silo, so we work very closely with our neurology colleagues and, as necessary, neuropsychology colleagues and uh, really any discipline that we need to bring to the forefront.
0: So it's, it's important for people to understand really um, how much is going on and how many different aspects um, people have to get there. So, um so when we talk about people, they're actually referred by a hospital or people get a list of places they want to go to. There aren't that many hospitals. I mean, other than Mount Sinai, I mean, really, there aren't that many rehabilitation hospitals.
1: We we are the only freestanding rehabilitation hospital, acute rehab hospital in the state of Connecticut. So there are some acute rehab hospital units that exist at other hospitals, but there's nowhere else where rehabilitation is the core business, the sole focus of of the institution like at Mount Sinai. We we have 25 years almost of experience. We have great expertise. We have amazing technology and equipment. And again, we have a culture of caring and truly
0: patient-centered focused care. Uh, We're going to get back. We're going to take a short break. I'm going to get back to Nicholas's question that's up on the board. Uh, And I want to talk a little bit about some new types of therapy for stroke and multiple sclerosis called constraint-induced movement therapy. We're chatting with my guest today, Dr. Robert Krug, who is the president and medical director of Mount Sinai Rehabilitation Hospital, all part of Trinity Health and all part of St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC, News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and today my guest is Dr. Robert Krug. Among Dr. Krug's uh, many accolades here is that uh, in September 2015, he was named the Weldon Chair and Director of the Frank H. Netter, MD, School of Medicine's Institute for Rehabilitation Medicine and the Center for U.S. Veterans Rehabilitation at Quinnipiac. And um, can you talk a little bit about that, Bob? What, what is that and, and what is what is the goal there? And then we will get to a question because we have a question about veteran care.
1: Yeah, so, you know, Quinnipiac University, um, you know, tremendous university, is noted for its strong health science programs, uh, particularly physical therapy, occupational therapy. They have a top five uh, PA physician assistant program in the country, athletic training program. And, you know, they they made a, a decision a number of years back that they wanted to also have a medical school. And so the Frank H. Netter, MD, School of Medicine um, has graduated two classes uh, thus far. And um, they wanted to be known for s- several things, including uh, primary care and rehabilitation, as well as global health. So they created three institutes around those three items. And for rehabilitation, you know, we, we, you can imagine we, we've essentially been a country um, in conflicts or at war for over a generation now. And we, we know that we have, um, you know, many veterans that come back With devastating injuries, or more frequently, uh, mild or or moderate brain injuries that have occurred from IEDs or 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 other um, injuries, and so uh, our VA system, if you read the papers, they try to do the best they can do, but they are overwhelmed and we really felt like this was an opportunity to do something in the state of Connecticut for our communities to improve the overall level of care for our veterans. And so when they were looking for a uh, partner, they didn't have to look far until they saw Mount Sinai Rehab Hospital as the largest provider of rehab services on the inpatient and outpatient side in Connecticut. And so we are their primary affiliate for this initiative.
0: Uh, well, with that, let's, uh Let's grab this question from Nicholas in Manchester. Nicholas, welcome to the show. Thanks for being patient. Thank you. um, For your guest, Um, I'm a veteran, and I have PTSD for 45
1: years now. And what I'm very concerned about is the public perception that a correction is long, long overdue because of the erroneous stigma that's attached to PTSD as a mental illness. All the while, it's a physical injury, and I feel that the
0: burden of responsibility for correcting the public perception is on the very professionals, such as, I'm going to say yourself, um, who have failed
1: to make it a goal to inform Americans that this is a physical illness, it's not a mental disease. Would you comment,
0: please? Okay, I'm going to hang up, and we're going to we're going to grab that comment. Thanks for calling, Nicholas. So that's an interesting comment uh, that it being more of a physical ailment rather than a mental health issue.
1: Yeah. So first of all, Nicholas, thank you for your service. You know, we greatly appreciate it. Um, And I and I believe I understand what you're what you're driving at. You know, I, I I first of all, there's not one etiology for post traumatic stress. Post traumatic stress is sort of the what what the result of of what happens and and it it's not in people's head so to speak it's not a mental il- illness as as I think you were um you know trying to make the point it is an organic change in the in the brain chemistry and how one reacts to stimuli in the environment it may have in part been the result of a, a dealing with other physical ailments or impairments or injuries as well as an injury you know to potentially to the brain. Or, 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 again, um, you know, being under chronic hypervigilance in a in a in a, in a wartime setting. So, um, it's very complicated. But I think you know, we at Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai campus which is the north campus for St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center, is where Mount Sinai Rehabilitation Hospital is located, as well as behavioral health for for St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center. So having access to behavioral health services and the rehabilitation services on one campus puts us in a unique position, I think, to address you know, the multifaceted issues that, that a veteran with post-traumatic stress would have to deal with. So, um, you know, I, again, I would welcome you, you know, call call my office personally. I'd be happy to help guide you uh, forward. Let's give them the number. What,
0: what's, your people, what's the number for people to call these days?
1: Sure. So the uh, the, the, the number for the office would be 860-714-2647. That's 714-2647. Um, you
0: think it's more of a, a, a spectrum? A range of disorders within PTSD, rather than a, a pigeonhole diagnosis.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't think that there's there, there's no one conclusive, you know, uh, set. But I of, think it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's
0: a constellation of symptoms. Um, let's let's get another question here. We have uh, Jim from Farmington. He had a question about stroke. Hey, Jim. Hey,
1: I, I had a, a family member who had a stroke, and. They're doing fine. Um, they walk and talk. No speech problems. The biggest problem is fatigue, and I was wondering if um, if this is common and what can you do about it. And the neurologist, you know, thinks it's uh, depression, but I don't
0: know. Fatigue in what way, Jim? In other words, uh, is it tired
1: fa- time? You know, they just want to sleep. And-
0: so sleepfulness um, yep. is is from fatigue from that standpoint. So, uh, because we always see, right Bob, we always see fatigue in motor ability after stroke. I mean, it takes tremendous, tremendous ability and effort to move a a limb that has had some paralysis to it. So uh, that's what I wanted to clarify. So we're gonna hang up and we'll get to the question. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so you know, fatigue is certainly a a symptom uh, that you frequently see with depression and there's certainly a higher in- prevalence and in incidence of depression with stroke. Having said that, there is a distinct um, constellation of symptoms including uh, fatigue that you frequently frequently can see with stroke that have not has nothing to do with depression. Um, and, and I would probably need to know more with regard to you know where the location of the stroke is. Um, it could be medication-related, depending on what other medications that um, your loved one is taking. Um, it could be related to um, energy consumption with regard to they may be ambulating or walking um, independently, but are they walking in a way that isn't um, um, as energy efficient? So there they could be a variety of reasons, but, again, that's, that's an ideal problem for someone like myself, a physiatrist, to sort of evaluate and take a look at you know, along with a neurologist.
0: You think it could be a sleep disorder or somebody you'd get a sleep study in?
1: It's possible too. you, you know, know, again, if, if, if the person was overweight, sure. if they had sleep
0: apnea, that certainly could be yeah. a contributory no, to something no, like this. absolutely. I wanted to talk a little bit about constraint-induced movement therapy. Um, and, and I'll let you explain it because it's, it seems to make a lot of sense, um, but I don't know how it all works out.
1: Yeah. So, you know, for simplistically constraint induced therapy is really when you force somebody, so to speak. Right. Encourage them to use the extremity that is weak or that there's a problem with. So, you know, in its simplest terms, you could literally tie one arm behind your back and say, do everything with your other arm.
0: And, and people used to do that. Right. I mean, if they didn't that. want their kid to be left handed. Right. That would make them use the right hand.
1: And I could use myself as an example in that, you know, I, I had shoulder surgery. And I was—I used to routinely put my belt on using my left hand. I'm left-handed. When I could not use my left shoulder for six weeks, I figured out how to do it with my right hand, and to this day I still do it now with my right hand. So, you know, you can you can teach an old dog to do new tricks. Okay.
0: So how does so is it effective? Yeah, I
1: think. And again, I think it 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 goes back to the concept of neuroplasticity and the ability of the brain to develop new motor programs so that you do things with other parts of your brain and do them differently. Um, we, we have higher tech ways of doing this and tying an arm behind your back nowadays. There's a, a, a big technological advance with virtual reality. And we actually at Mount Sinai are going to be uh, acquiring some virtual reality equipment in the coming months. And there are some good studies that have been done in utilizing virtual reality as a, as a, uh, method of uh, constraint-induced therapy with um, some results that seem to be very positive. A lot more work needs to be done in this area, but it is not only is it um, helpful in the acute or subacute phase soon after a stroke or some other ailment, but there have been studies that have shown years now after um, the original injury that you can, through something like constraint-induced therapy or repetitive exercise, have meaningful improvement.
0: Yeah, I mean, it almost seems cruel. Somebody has a stroke, they have a paralyzed limb, so you tie up their good limb. But uh, by the same token, uh, it's interesting because I never thought about the virtual reality thing. That's got to be exciting. Uh, We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be back to wrap up the show for our last segment with Dr. Robert Krug from St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center. And specifically, he is director uh, at the Mount Sinai Rehabilitation Hospital here in Hartford, Connecticut. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi. And in this last segment, we're chatting with Dr. Robert Krug from Mount Sinai Hospital uh, here in Connecticut. Let's talk a little bit, you know, we talked about rehabilitation but a lot has to do with prevention. We keep hearing the words, and, and something we need to focus on in medicine is prevention. Can you talk a little bit about the things going on at Mount Sinai with respect to preventive medicine?
1: Absolutely. And, 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 and sort of there's, there's two aspects to that. When we have somebody, who, let's say, who has had a stroke and comes to Mount Sinai, yes, our focus is to rehabilitate them, improve their function, uh, but it's also to educate them and how they can avoid having another stroke. And so whether it's healthy eating, exercise, weight reduction, all the things that you uh, – smoking sensation, all the things that you need to do to lower your, your stroke risk, that's a primary focus while while they're with us because they're, they're in our midst for often a couple of weeks. It's not just a, a quick in and out like it is in an acute care hospital. Sure. Um, we also have fitness programming on the outpatient side so that when, once somebody goes through their physical therapy or occupational therapy um, uh, course and now they're they're being discharged, we don't want them going back to a sedentary lifestyle. So many will go and join a gym in their neighborhoods, but others uh, – may feel more comfortable coming to our center. And so we have programs that allow them to do so. We have equipment that is readily accessible for somebody that may have a disability or an impairment. Uh, with regard to the healthy eating, though, I'm really very excited uh, to to just mention uh, the New England 60-day challenge that we are uh, kicking off for Trinity Health of New England and really for our community. Uh, and I, you know, I don't know, Tony, if you're aware, but... Dr. Reginald Eady is our new regional CEO of Fraternity Health of New England. He joined us about four months ago, and he comes to us from Detroit, uh, where he was uh, uh, a senior executive CEO of uh, a number of the uh, Detroit Medical Center hospitals there. And uh, while in Detroit, he really – Created an initiative around healthy eating and healthy living for uh, for for those in the Greater Detroit metropolitan area that was extremely successful, and he wants to bring that now to New England and and particularly to the Hartford region, and as New Englanders, we're going to do it bigger and better than they did in uh, did in Detroit. So we're going to be kicking this off uh, November 1st right after Halloween, and it is. Uh, the 61 day challenge and it's uh it's the challenge is no soda no sweets and no cigarettes we we call it the 3c's to remember it no coca-cola no sweets and no cigarettes so you can imagine that um those two months there's a lot of right after halloween going into thanksgiving going into christmas and new years there's a lot of unhealthy eating wow. a, lot, a lot of weight gain that occurs during that time and we really believe that uh this is a great time to 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 commit before the New Year's resolution kicks in, do it pre-New Year's resolution. And we already have uh, hundreds of people that have signed on to this. We have uh, 30 organizations that have already signed on to this. You can go to www.NewEngland61DayChallenge.org to take a look and and hopefully uh, uh, pledge your support and uh, commitment to uh, healthy eating.
0: Is there support on the website? In other words, as this challenge goes on, are there going to be – Is there going to be information on things people can do when they have that craving for a cigarette or for a soda and things like that?
1: Absolutely. Trinity Health of New England is going to be offering educational sessions, tips, resources. They're all available on the website, and I would really encourage people to check it out.
0: And and that's the key. Let's face it. As much as we talk about chronic diseases, uh, is really getting ahead on your diet and your habits. And- Putting exercise in now. You mentioned uh, about Mount Sinai Rehabilitation having a fitness program. Is that only for patients or former patients or people who have had uh, who have been a patient there?
1: It, it's not a it's not a fitness center like you would re, a retail right. fitness center. Um, it, it's typically for patients. Um, but if, if if somebody had not been an inpatient and was seeing one of our therapists or one of our physicians, sure, without, they absolutely could access that.
0: Yes. So what's coming down the pike? What what's the future we're going to start seeing in rehabilitative medicine? You talked a little bit about virtual reality. Um, you know what what other things are we going to start hearing about?
1: Yeah, you know I think rehabilitation medicine as a specialty and and rehabilitation hospitals and and really we're we're a part of the post acute care um, part of healthcare uh, in many respects is an underappreciated area of medicine that I believe our golden age is upon us because there's a recognition now that in healthcare we can't afford uh, the ever um, increasing healthcare expenses that are occurring. And chronic disease and post-acute care is a major um, utilizer of healthcare services and resources. So, we at Mount Sinai um, are investing heavily in, in in technology, and with the advent of robotics and things like virtual reality that I just mentioned, there are going to be new techniques and, and and new interventions to really um, advance uh, people's functional abilities. There are, there are exoskeletons, so the people who today cannot walk in the future will be able to walk. Many of these things come from our military, where things get developed first. And again, that alignment and connection with the Veterans Rehabilitation uh, Center uh, with Quinnipiac, I think is going to be very helpful moving forward as well.
0: Do you have as big a problem as, as we have in terms of dealing with insurance um, for people going into rehabilitation? Are insurance companies... Relatively generous when they hear someone's going to a rehabilitation center, or um, do you have to fight the same battles we do?
1: We absolutely have to fight the battles, and they're becoming more difficult. Um, most insurers are, are are focused on the episode of care and reducing that cost of that you know episode, and I there are, there are studies that are out there that that clearly show that. The rehabilitation that occurs soon after illness has long-lasting implications for one's functional ability, uh, burden of care, and quality of life. And and I I can't emphasize enough that you must advocate for yourself. If you're in a hospital and and you think that you need um, aggressive rehabilitation, all you have to do is request a referral for an acute rehabilitation. Uh, uh, evaluation. It, Mount Sinai Rehabilitation Hospital is but one option in the state, doesn't have to be us. But if you request it, they put in the evaluation and then we assess you and we determine whether you're an appropriate candidate or not to come to our facility for, for rehabilitation.
0: And I want to emphasize to patients, one of the things, obstacles I always came up against when I was in practice in Norwich was that um, it's different going to an acute care facility. Um, uh Lawrence and Memorial had a facility available, which was excellent. But even getting someone to go from Norwich to New London, they wanted to go to the place down the block. You know, if you mentioned going to Hartford, crossing the river, right. you would think they were crossing the country. And people have to understand that you have to travel a little bit sometimes to get to these facilities because it makes such a huge difference. Bob, I wanted to thank you for spending time with us today and for all you do, uh, not just for all our patients, but uh, but for veterans and every all the good things going on at St. Francis. Hopefully we we'll get you back soon.
1: Thanks so much for having me. And I just want to give a shout out for tonight's uh, big event, Miracles uh, in Hartford. Uh, it's going to be uh, raising hopefully over a million dollars for the Vicevich Rheumatologic and Lupus Center.
0: Uh, which is a name we are very familiar with here at WTIC, uh, News Talk 1080, to give our support to the Weisswich Center. Uh, Many thanks to our studio producer today. Mike Olko has been on the board. Jeff Chandler is in charge of sales and marketing for Healthy Rounds. Next week we're going to have another live show. We're going to be chatting for an hour. Uh, We're going to be talking about brain tumors um, and hopefully with my guest, uh, Dr. Ketan Bulsara. Next up on WTIC is going to be Garden Talk with Len. Please remember to help save lives. You can do that today by becoming an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Just go to registerme.org. Until next week, please stay healthy. This has been Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi. Sponsored by St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center, Ratchford Eye Center, Covaris, and the Connecticut State Medical Society. Be sure to tune in next Saturday morning at 11 for more Healthy Rounds on WTIC, News Talk 1080, and WTIC.com.